Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Well, good morning. Brett is still out on vacation, and so he asked me to to fill in. My name is Jim Hansen, and my day job, I get to teach aspiring civil engineers at Rose-Hulman. And as a faculty member, I have seen a few interesting things, so I thought I would share one with you. One of my most memorable days in the classroom We're about halfway through the term, and I've got a pretty good handle on how the class is going. I know who my students are. I think we're interacting really well. I walk in that day, and I start teaching. And for some reason, this group of college-age students has the giggles. They're just a little distracted. They're a little giggly. And so I'm working at the board, but inside my head is just rolling. There has got to be a practical joke coming. Just be ready for it. Nope, nope, nope. They're not that kind of folks. Not a practical joke. So, uh uh-oh, must be my fly. So I turn to the board. I start writing. I check for my fly. Nope, that's not it got to be an inside joke then, right? Something that they are thinking about. Maybe they were talking about it before I arrived. Okay, just ignore it and go. And so I do. I keep on teaching that morning. One of the ways or the unique things I do in the classroom is I work questions around the room. It keeps folks engaged and it makes me, it helps me understand where the students get stuck. So throughout class, I'm asking questions and I work my way methodically one at a time across the room as I'm asking questions. I get to the back of the room as I'm asking questions that day and I find this, students sleeping in the back of the room, which you have to understand I am not offended if a student falls asleep in my class. I'm really not. I'm so grateful that they are there. If you fall asleep this morning, I'm not offended. I'm so happy you are here today. (laughs) Honestly, I get it, especially for our students. Sometimes there are things going on that are just outside of their control, and I'm grateful that they're in the room. What made that particular morning so memorable? That guy's not in my class. He fell asleep in the previous class, didn't hear the bell, didn't hear his friends leave, didn't hear my class arrive, didn't hear the next bell, and here we are. So now I understand why my class has got the giggles that morning, and they erupt in laughter. He still doesn't wake up. It is five minutes before the end of class, and in the corner of my eye, I see this head pick up, look left, look right, and I can totally read the expression on his face. I don't recognize a single one of you. (laughs) But bless him, that young man just stayed put. We finished up class, but I tell you what, as soon as the bell rang to signify the end of class, he was out that door so fast, and I have never seen him again. (laughs) Okay, Jim, what are we really here to talk about this morning? As fun as that story is, we're here because as a structural engineering professor, I love to talk about the strength of numbers. Okay, that's not our actual topic this morning. Our topic is the strength 
in numbers. What I want to go to, to, to talk about, to, to explore this morning, is community prayer. And so I want to get started by taking a look at a prayer that Jesus made for his closest friends. And we're headed to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. So if you like to follow along in your Bible, whether it be your Bible app or your physical Bible there, we're headed to John, chapter 17. And while you work your way there, let me cover some of the backstory of what's going on. At this point, Jesus has already had the Last Supper. So he has broken bread and shared the wine with his dear friends, much as we did for communion this morning. They have left that building, and they're out walking. Along the way, Jesus has told them that he expects them to love one another. Jesus has told them that the world will hate them. But Jesus has also told them that the spirit of truth will come to them and comfort them. And in the midst of this discussion, as they're walking along, He pauses, looks to the sky, and prays. So here in John chapter 17, we're going to look at verses 9 and 11. Jesus says, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be as one as we are one. Jesus knew his dear friends were about to face some serious trouble, and he did the most powerful thing he could for them. He prayed for them. Now, I know many of you have prayed for friends going through troubles, and I appreciate when somebody prays for me. But here's the point I don't want you to miss out from what Jesus did. He prayed with them out loud. You see, our gospel writer John, in this case, he was there that night. The only way he knows that Jesus said this prayer is because he heard it. That's the only way he can remember it years later. Jesus could have told his friends, you guys are going to have a rough next few days. I'm praying for you. Peace out. That's not what he did. He prayed with them out loud so that they could hear. And that brings me to my first point. Praying with someone is far more powerful than praying for someone. And you'll notice that there are some words underlined. If you like to follow along in the outlet of your outline of your bulletin, there's, there's your, your, your fill in the blanks for the morning. Okay. Praying with someone is so much more powerful than praying for someone. Let me share an example. When I was seven, my family moved to a completely different state And our grandparents, my grandparents, moved in with us. So I grew up with my grandmother, living in the house with us. She was from South America, spoke mostly Spanish, so I called her abuela, 
which is Spanish for grandmother. Every day when I would get home from school, Abuela would be there to meet me, ask me how my day was, and she had some wonderful treat cooked up for me. On the days I got in trouble with my parents, she waited for them to move out of the way, and she would pull me aside and just give me a big hug. On Sunday afternoons, I would go down to her apartment, and we would watch old black and white movies on television. And she always let me pick. It didn't matter to her what we were watching. She just wanted to pour into me, and we got to share so much time together. I loved it. When I got married, she was 83 years old. And that day at our wedding reception, she danced up a storm. This woman had so much spunk and so much life. I just I loved being around her. It was infectious. And so when my wife and I started having kids, well, abuela is the term for grandmother. So my mom became abuela. My grandmother became abuelita, which means little grandmother, which suited her perfectly because she was about that tall. And all the love she had poured into me as I was growing up, she started pouring into our kids. And so there she is with her great-grandson. And so about the time we moved to Terre Haute, which put us 12 hours away from Abuelita, where Abuelita lives, she was diagnosed with kidney failure. And so... Not only are we now 12 hours away, but time with her is going to be very, very limited. And one night we're having a meeting of our life group at our house. And for those of you unfamiliar, life group is a community of Christian believers that come together to be the body of Christ for each other. And so that night we are having life group and we get the phone call. Abuelita has slipped into a coma, and we're not sure she's going to live long enough for you to get here. So immediately, Diane and I work up into a, a frenzy. Okay. What are we going to pack? What's the weather look like? Are we going to be gone three days? Are we going to be gone a week? Does this tie go with that suit? What do you think about this dress for the funeral? We've got to pack for the kids. Now, bless them, our life group did our dishes that night. They got the kids dressed in the pajamas because we're going to drive through the night to get there. And after we had everything packed, the dishes done, the kids in their pajamas, our life group did something for us that I had never experienced before. They took me and my wife, Diane, sat us down in two chairs in the middle of the living room, circled around us, put their hands on us, at which point I'm thinking, this is incredibly weird. But I let it play out. And the leader of our life group prayed over us right there. And when he was done, the next member of our life group prayed for us. And then the next member, and the next member, until everyone in our life group had said a prayer over us that night. Now, we had worked up a sweat getting things ready. We were amped up. And on a 12-hour drive, adrenaline's not going to carry you that far. But they prayed for our peace 
to experience the peace that only God gives. They prayed that Abuelita would live long enough for us to get there and say goodbye. And God answered their prayers that night. We made that drive, not at a crazy 90 miles an hour, out of control, frantic to, to get home, but with this incredible calm and peace that God's got this. And if we're there to say goodbye, we're there to say goodbye. If not, it's okay. God's got this. We had this, such this powerful peace in the process. But we did. We made it to Abuelita's bedside. We got to spend time saying goodbye. We shared stories with family. We cried together. We laughed together. And after a few hours, we held her hand as she took her last breath. But it was the prayer of community that got us there safely. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Now, if you've been around church for a while, if you've read your Bible a bit, something may be tingling in the back of your mind where you say, wait a minute, Jim, I remember Jesus saying something about don't pray out in public. Okay, I respect that. Let's take a closer look at what Jesus was actually talking about. In Matthew chapter 6, and so again, if you want to, to turn there, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, let me give you the backstory. Jesus is sitting on a hillside talking to all these people following him. And we're in the middle of three chapters worth of teaching that he's giving folks. You probably have heard of these teachings called the Sermon on the Mount. And so if we take a look at verses 5 and 6 from chapter 6 of Matthew, this is what Jesus says. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. Now, Jesus is not saying that you should only pray in quiet. Remember, Jesus prayed out loud for his disciples the night he was killed. No, here he's warning us about making a show of prayer. Praying out loud for somebody is not showing off. Right? When you want to pray to God to tell him how wonderful he is, to, to praise him, Jesus says, do that in private, and you will receive your reward, reward for your praise to God. That's not our topic this morning. This morning we're talking about God put us in community to pray for each other. That's our focus. Now, some of you might be saying, okay, Jim, I'm okay with, with people praying for me, praying with me, but I am not qualified to pray for somebody else. And in the most loving way I can, I say this, you are so wrong. See, if your heart aches for someone, right, just tell God what you wish for them. When a person is struggling, the natural tendency is to think 
that I'm all alone. Show them that you are with them as you pray, as that they are not alone in their struggles. Now, let me be completely candid. I, for a long time, was terrified to pray with somebody. Absolutely terrified. What if I say the wrong words? What if I don't sound powerful enough? And I was so wrong. I was so confused. It's not about having the right words. It's about having the right heart. So, several years back, I made a decision. I said, all right, God. When you bring me a student who's got a major life issue, I will offer to pray with them right there. And God, in his most loving way, gave me an opportunity immediately. I had a student who was really struggling. Um, He wasn't completing the homework. In class, he seemed fairly distant. He wasn't really paying attention. And we got to the night of the first exam. He finishes up and leaves way too early. There is no way he's done well that evening. And so as he's walking out of the room, I go out into the hallway with him. I said, Matt, you've been struggling in this class. Is there something going on that's getting in the way of you doing well? And I'm trying to think, you know, he's going to confess he's partying too much or he's just not enjoying the material. I was not expecting what I was about to hear. Well, Professor Hansen, right before the start of the term, my dad got diagnosed with terminal cancer. Okay, God, I said I'd pray. Thank you very much. And so I did. I said, Matt, I'm going to pray for you. May I pray for you right now? And initially, he looked at me very surprised. But his response was, yes, please. So there in the hallway, everybody else is taking the exam. It's just the two of us. I put my head down. I said, God, I thank you for Matt. He's got a lot on his mind right now. If it is your will, God, please heal his father. But if it is not your will to do that, please help his family through this. That's it. My prayer was just that simple. And off Matt went. What I'm saying is, pray what is on your heart. You don't need the magic words. Just share what's on your heart with somebody. And so I would love to say that after that prayer, Matt's dad was healed, but it's not true. Several months later, Matt's dad did die. What I can say is that after that day, Matt had a different attitude. Matt had a little more focus in class. And he was spending every weekend with his dad. And it became so fun, enriching for me, because every Monday he would come in and he would share what he did with his dad that weekend. Some days it was come in and we got to go fishing this weekend. 
We went to a ball game. We played cards all weekend. And sometimes it was, man, we just sat and hung out all weekend. Matt had his focus back. He was able to finish his studies. And in no way do I want to claim that my prayer did that for him. I don't have the power to know that that's the case. But I do know there are strength in numbers. I know that the power of community is impactful. When we pray with somebody, with somebody, it can be transformational. Now, sometimes it's me that needs the prayers. I already shared the example of my grandmother dying. Now let's take a look at one of my favorite stories in the Gospels. And it comes from Mark chapter 2. And so as you turn to, to Mark chapter 2, those that you want to follow along, let me share the backstory. Jesus has already started his ministry, and he's getting a reputation as being a healer and somebody who just has this profound sense of wisdom when he speaks. And so people come from all over when they find out that he's in their town. And on this particular day, he's in a house teaching and there are so many people they have filled the house they have filled the doorway and they are crowded around the outside of the door of the house so let's look at verses 3 through 5 in Mark chapter 2 some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. My favorite part is in verse 5. And so often we see the miracle and we miss the cause. It was the faith of his friends that caused him to be healed. It was their friend, his, his friends, it was their faith that caused the miracle. When people pray for you, sincerely pray for you, it's incredibly powerful. So I want you to take a look around the room for just a moment to get a sense of how many people are here. Just take a look around the room for a moment. You don't need to do an exact count. Okay. Now grab your bulletin and take a look at the number of people we've been asked to pray for. That list is far, far fewer than the number of people in this room. The few most of the requests are not specific. And the ones that are specific are about physical ailments. So... If praying for someone can be incredibly powerful, why are so few people asking for prayer? Why aren't we asking for prayers about things other than our physical ailments? Things like struggling marriage, battle with addiction, uncontrolled anger. Where are the prayer requests for those things? For many of us, the answer is judgment. 
I'm afraid of being judged by others when the problem is caused, at least in part, by me. None of us are eager to go to a friend and say, my marriage is falling apart and it's somewhat my fault. Nobody's excited to go share that message. We don't want to be judged. Many of us quietly fear what other people will think if we share what we're worried about. We're afraid to say, I really worry about the trouble my kids are getting into. But the body of Christ is not about judging each other. It's about helping each other. Now, for other people, the reason we don't ask for prayers is control. I don't want to ask for help when it's something I feel like I should be able to control. Ask for prayers for a battle with alcohol? No way. I can beat that. Ask for prayers about finding a job? No way. I'll find one on my own. It's a blow to my self-esteem. It hurts my confidence to admit that I'm not in control. Or maybe even, maybe it's too scary to admit that I'm not in control. And as a result, we ask prayers for those safe things. We ask prayers for our heart condition or our appendicitis. Those are safe requests. No judgment. I don't control those-ish things. Now, please, do not get me wrong. I am all about asking for prayers for physical healing. I remember a friend asking for prayers one day. She had a chronic problem with her foot, hurt all the time. And so our life group was meeting, and she shared that the next day she was going to the doctor. And so we gathered around her, and we prayed, God, please guide that physician to, to figure out what is wrong with her foot and to bring her healing. And the next morning she woke up, and her foot was feeling a little better. Later in the day, she went to the doctor, and the doctor said, honestly, I cannot say a single problem, and she was without pain. And that pain never came back. We had prayed, God, please let the physician heal her. God said, Psh, I got this. We got to witness a miracle that night as we prayed for her. God answered our prayers. So let me repeat, it's a good thing to ask for physical healing, right? The problem is, I don't want us to limit ourselves to only asking for prayers on those safe issues. When we do that, we shut off the body of Christ, the community of believers who could be praying on our behalf for the big issues in our life. Remember, it was the faith of the paralyzed man's friends that got him healed. Now, let me share in a, a conversation I had with a student a couple years back. Mary comes into my office, says, in a couple of days, I'm sorry, but I am not going to be in class. And you know, honestly, okay, my response is, thank you so much. I respect that. And her voice started to quiver a little bit. She says, 
It's the anniversary of the day I was raped, and I will be in no emotional condition to come to class. Okay, God. I said I would. And I offered to pray with Mary right there. And in that quivering voice, she says yes. And as gentle tears rolled down my eyes, I prayed with Mary that she would find emotional healing, that she would begin to forgive the man who attacked her, and that she would at some point see how God intends to use this terrible thing to further his kingdom. Well, I can't, let me just say this. Let's pause for just a moment. Let's not lose sight. That student let herself be vulnerable. She shared something with me that day that only her closest friends and family knew. She let the body of Christ help carry her burden and pray for her that day. Now, fast forward a year. Mary came back to my office, said, the anniversary's coming up. Again, I'm not going to be in class, but I'm doing better. You see, she had started to heal. She even told me that she had started a dialogue with the young man who attacked her. She knew him. They had been friends working together, volunteers together in their church. And this woman had reached a point where she could start to forgive him. Now, is there any way for me to know if it was my prayers for her? Because not only did I pray for her that day, I prayed for her frequently over that year. Do I know if it was my prayer that started to open the way for her heart to heal? I have no idea. But what I do know, what I'm certain of, is that God was working in her because that young woman was getting her spark back. If she had tried to deal with the guilt and shame and hurt of that all by herself... Would we have this powerful, loving person that I'm seeing that day in front of me? Now let's fast forward another year. Mary is doing actually really well, and she looks back and credits the body of Christ for helping her get there. But Jim, there are some things I am just not comfortable with sharing with everybody. Agreed. Thank you. But that doesn't mean we should shut off the entire body of Christ. Find a core group of people you feel safe sharing with. Perhaps it's your life group. Diane and I have been able to be extremely candid with the people of our life group. When we mess up, we're able to share that. When life throws us struggles, we've been able to share that. And so it has, it has been through 
the sharing of those burdens and the prayers that they give on our behalf that we've experienced the power of community prayer. Perhaps the place for you to turn is a few people who share the same struggle as you do. Maybe it's a group of people who share the same addiction as you have. Maybe it's a group of people who are also caring for elderly parents. Or perhaps it's, it's a peer group of parents with special needs children. It's easier to be vulnerable with people who share a similar experience. Perhaps the place for you to turn is your close friends. Our closest friends love us for who we are, not who we hope to be. Our closest friends probably know our deepest, darkest secrets anyway. Our closest friends are the people who are going to cut your grass when you leave town for a funeral. They're going to come pick you up when a deer attacks your car. Right? Right. These are the kind of people that if you ask them to pray for you, that is not a burden. Now, I would be terribly remiss if I did not point out that just because we pray for someone or someone prays for us, that our situation is going to improve. God does not promise that. And so let me not in any way imply that that's going to be the case. Look back to the student who came to see me about his father's illness. Matt's dad did not get healed, even though that's one of the things I prayed for. But what God did do was surround him with faculty who said, you need to focus on being with your dad. God surrounded his family with community that took care of the things around the house so that they could spend time focusing on dad's needs and quality time with with dad. God gave Matt time to enjoy his father before he had to say goodbye. Now, sometimes God answers for, God's answer to our prayers is to point out that we're praying for the wrong thing. Sometimes his answer is to point us, not at that, but to something better. For example, I really wanted to date a certain girl in high school. She embodied everything I hoped for in a wife. She was a strong follower of Christ, She loved to serve, and there is not a person she met ever that she didn't treat with the sweetest heart and the nicest tenderness. And so I prayed to God, God, please have her break up with her boyfriend. Please give me a chance. And it never happened. But what God did say What God did do was three years later introduce me to Diane who embodied all of those things that I dared hope for in a wife and showed me so much more that I didn't even think I had a chance to hope for in a life partner. See, I prayed for something and God said, look, you're asking for the wrong thing. Look over here. That's what we get for an answer sometimes. Prayer is the opening of a dialogue with God. Have you ever prayed for someone or with someone 
even in quiet, praying by yourself, and you just got this feeling, this feeling, I'm supposed to do something. When we pay attention to those nudges of the Holy Spirit, we discover our role. And sometimes that role is to provide comfort, even though the situation may not improve here on earth. Maybe we're called to just sit with somebody, keep them company. Maybe we're called to look past the burden that that person is carrying and just treat them like a normal person. Sometimes our part is to share wisdom that'll help a friend toward a place that God wants them to be. When I was finishing up my PhD, I was working furiously writing and Diane had taken the kids to go back and visit my parents. I had been searching for a job I don't know how long. I kept looking for a position at a research-focused school. So think like a Purdue, a University of Illinois. And it was just never the right fit. They weren't making offers. I wasn't feeling real excited about it. And it was really actually demoralizing. I'm about ready to graduate. I have no job. And I don't feel like I'm... I'm excited to find one either. And Diane's back home visiting with my folks, and the next-door neighbor who had watched me grow up sees Diane outside, and he strikes up a conversation with her. God put it on his heart that day to go talk to her. And he shared with her very candidly, Jim's looking for the wrong jobs. He's got the heart of a teacher. He should be looking for universities that focus on teaching first, not research first. Well, that night, Diane called me, and I can tell you exactly where I was standing in my office, where I was looking when I got that phone call, and she shared this with me, this conversation she had had, and all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off. This incredible weight was taken off my shoulders. Duh, I have been looking in the wrong places all of this time. Immediately, I felt excited to go hunt for a job. And quickly, God started to move, and he presented opportunities, and boom, here we are in Terre Haute. And for me, a job that I absolutely love, in a community we absolutely love being part of. And it all goes back to, he put it on the heart of someone to just provide some wisdom, to steer me in the right direction. So to recap, I have one request of you. Pray with people. Be the body of Christ with others. And I have one request for you. Ask for prayer. Find a group that you can be completely candid with and let them pray with you. Now as we wrap up this morning, let's go back to the story of my student asleep in the classroom. Where was his community? Nobody woke him up when it was time to leave. Where was his community? We each have the opportunity to be prayed for and prayed over, and that is so powerful. I hope you leverage that gift to you. We each have the opportunity to pray 
for and over others. And that is also powerful, but power not used is wasted. So, in a moment, I'm going to pray over everyone in general, but this morning I've asked some prayer warriors to help me out. And so when the band comes out to play, we'll have some prayer warriors underneath each of the screens that want to pray for you, for your specific needs this morning. Let the body of Christ be for you. Let the body of Christ help carry your burden and pray on your behalf. Remember, it was the man's friends that caused the miracle that got him to be healed. So, now, if I may pray for you. God, I pray that you strengthen everyone here this morning. Strengthen each of us to pray with confidence for people when the opportunities arise. Also strengthen each of us to ask for prayer. You created community to be an extension of you, to be your hands and feet. Please give us the confidence to let community help carry our burdens. Thank you so much, God. Amen. Mm -hmm.